So we are at the end of the Why series today, and we've covered a lot of different topics. Today's topic is Why Serve? Why Serve? It's going to wrap up our whole Why series, and the next Sunday we're, we're moving on to some other things. But as we begin this morning's service, I want to get you to just imagine something with me, and use your imagination here, put yourself into this story. I want you to imagine that you and a group of your friends are walking through the woods together. Can you picture that? It's a nice summer day. There's a gentle breeze rustling through the leaves around you. You're walking through the woods, just strolling along, talking about life, school, work, kids, dreams for the future, challenges, whatever it is. And as you're walking along, suddenly you hear this sort of vibrating hissing sound all around you. So all of you stop to look around and see what the source of this noise could be. What you're hearing is low-frequency radio waves from a meteor that is coming down overhead and it is closing in on your location. Suddenly you look up into the sky and you see above you this fiery ball about the size now of a coconut smashing through the trees overhead and landing about 200 feet that way. Well, this is pretty exciting but it's also a little scary. So naturally, you decide you have to go see what's going on. So you and your friends run following the the broken branches up above, looking to see where did this thing land, and suddenly you get closer and closer until finally you are standing 20 feet away from a glowing green orb embedded in the earth. And as you're looking at this, there's something about this orb that's just incredibly attractive to you. You have to get closer. You have to see it. And so you start to walk a little closer. You and your friends all together, walking closer and closer and closer and closer until boom, out comes this burst of energy and it knocks all of you to the ground. And you get up thinking, what just happened here? That was a little freaky. We better get back to our cars, alert the authorities, let's head back through the woods. So you're walking back through the woods, kind of talking about it, wondering what was going on. This is sort of crazy. But along the way, some strange things start to happen. One of your friends along the way back is kind of just sort of skipping along the way. And all of a sudden, she flies forward 10 feet in the air and then lands. That was weird. And then another friend starts to comment about how beautiful the lake looks today. But it's two miles that way through the woods. No one else can see it. So you're thinking about this and processing this in your head. And just secretly to yourself, you're kind of going, what just happened back there? Do we have superpowers now? And one of your friends says out loud, yeah, I think we do. Crazy, right? (laughs) That was honestly a dream of mine growing up. (laughs) I wanted to have superpowers so badly. Still do, if I'm being honest. How many of you would like to have a superpower? Just be honest, raise your hand. I want a superpower. I want something. Okay. So as you're heading back to the car, we're still in the story now, you're heading back to the car, you're with your friends, you start to realize that each of you has a different superpower. I mean, this is really cool, right? One of you has the ability to fly. 
That's amazing. One of you has the ability of super strength. Someone has super speed. Someone has super hearing. One guy is really good at archery for some reason. I'm not really sure why some of you get that. But all of you have different superpowers. Now I'm curious, and I want you to actually tell each other right now, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Just tell the person next to you. All right, how many of you, how many of you said super speed? Who wants super speed? All right, some of you, good, good. How many of you want super strength? Who wants super strength? All right. We're still not hitting the, the biggest ones. Who wants the ability to see through things? Anybody see through walls, see other stuff? Super hearing? Anybody want super hearing? Okay. What about flight? Does anyone want? There it is. <laughs> I want to be able to fly. I don't know why it is, but that's, that's always the biggest one. Wouldn't it be cool if you could have a superpower? I mean, that would be absolutely amazing. So you get to the end of this trip back to your cars and you're with your friends and you've discovered you have all these superpowers and now you're trying to figure out what are we going to do with this? I mean, do we tell people or do we keep it to ourselves? And one of you thinks maybe we should use our superpowers to help people like save lives, fight crime, you know, that's what we're supposed to do. Maybe uh, get some super suits or something, but no capes, you know. Or maybe one of you thinks our superpowers could make us rich. Another person goes, our superpowers could make us famous. And somebody else goes, but these are too dangerous. We can't let anybody know about these. We just have to ignore them. Forget about them. They're going to make us a target. Or they could end up sort of turning us against each other. I love the idea of having superpowers, don't you? This is a great service to talk about this because we got the kids in here. So the kids are all, the whole rest of this time, they're just going to be thinking about what they could do if they could fly. That's great. Well, I love movies like The Avengers and X-Men, and Superman, and Spider-Man. I love that stuff. In fact, I love the superhero stuff so much that I can forgive some pretty bad acting and some really terrible plot holes if there's some good superhero action involved. I love superpowers. I love the idea if I could have superpowers. And I know that a lot of you wish you could have superpowers too. So we're all kids here today because we wish we could have superpowers. But what if I were to tell you that if you're a follower of Jesus, you have already been given superpowers. Did you know that? If you're a follower of Jesus, you have already been given a superpower or perhaps multiple superpowers. Not only that, but God has given you these powers as an extension of his powers so that you can represent him on this earth, on this planet He's actually commanded you to use those superpowers to help other people. Does that sound like science fiction to you? Because it's not. It is quite literally how God describes his followers in the Bible. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So open your Bibles. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you want to use the YouVersion Bible app, you'll find us under events there. Or you can just go to our website if you've got a cell phone with a browser. Go to efree.org slash Bible. And you will find our passage for today right there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Do you have it? If you've got it, let's just take a minute and ask God for guidance 
as we study his word together. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? God, we love you. We're so thankful for you. We're thankful that you are an awesome God. We are filled with awestruck wonder at you and who you are. And to think that you would give us special abilities that we could use on this planet to represent you and help other people. It's, it's incredible. So help us, Lord, to begin to understand that and to use that and to be what you have commanded us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 1 and read through this together and talk about what this means together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us. So what you have to understand here is there's this group of believers in Corinth, a city called Corinth. And they already know about these special abilities that God gives his followers. So they have sent a letter to Paul, and among other things, they're asking, what do we do with these? How do these work? What what are these special abilities that the Spirit has given us? God's Spirit has given us. What are we supposed to do with those? So Paul is writing back to them to explain to them. He says, I don't want you to misunderstand this. I do want you to know how this works. Sometimes we view spiritual gifts, these special abilities, as sort of a very mystical, mysterious thing. And yet Paul says, I don't want you to misunderstand this. I do want you to get this. So he's going to explain some things about how these special abilities work. And here's what he says. You know that when you were still pagans, so you didn't follow God, you followed false religions, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. One of the things we have to understand as we read this passage and the introduction to what Paul is going to say here is that he's writing to people who were saved, they trusted Jesus Christ as adults, not as kids. So they bring along all this baggage with them. And those of you who are saved later in life, you know this. There is some extra baggage that you bring along with you into that relationship with God that maybe you wouldn't have had if you were saved at four, five, six, seven. And so if you're saved later in life like these people were, they've got all this baggage, all this history. They've still got these pagan priests and pagan friends running around. And so he says, you know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping false idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He wants them to know That if one of their pagan priests that they used to follow and serve says, no, 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 I speak for God, forget this Jesus guy. That person does not really speak for God. In other words, what he's saying here is that God and Jesus are a package deal. You can't separate the two. So just so you know, if anyone's trying to teach you contrary to this and say they really speak for God, but deny Jesus in the process, he said they don't really speak for God. God and Jesus are a package deal. And then he says in verse 4, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts. Those are the special abilities he was talking about. Different kinds of spiritual gifts. But the same Spirit is the source of them all. So what is the deal with these spiritual gifts? Those are your superpowers. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have superpowers. You have supernatural powers abilities that God has given you so that when you become a believer in Christ, not only does Jesus save you from your sin, not only does he restore your relationship with God, not only does he put his spirit inside of you to guide you, 
But he also has that Spirit give you a special gift or gifts, special abilities called spiritual gifts, superpowers, if you will. Just think about that for a minute. We can't gloss over that. We can't put that into the realm of that's just something we talk about at church. This is real. If you're a follower of God, you've been given His Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit has given you some special gifts, some special abilities. That's amazing. It's like a green orb just landed on earth and poofed out physical superpowers, only in this case, the very Spirit of God. The Spirit of God has given you supernatural spiritual abilities. That is amazing. Absolutely amazing. We serve a very cool God. And we will do a whole series in the future on spiritual gifts. We're going to have to. That's not what today is about. We'd be here for 10 hours or more. This is kind of an overview. So I want to give you a working definition of spiritual gifts. And I'm, I'm kind of taking something that I have taught many, many times before as part of a long series. And I'm just going to give you the, the big conclusion of it. So you're going to have to trust me on this one. Go back and study the scriptures if you want. And sometime later, we'll explore this definition in more detail. But here is a definition, an overview of what spiritual gifts are. Spiritual gifts are special distributions of God's grace. If you're filling in the notes in your program, this is a special distribution of God's grace that give a follower of God supernaturally enhanced abilities to serve and detect opportunities to serve. Let me say that one more time. Spiritual gifts are special distributions of God's grace that give a follower of God supernaturally enhanced abilities to serve and detect opportunities to serve. Now, did God have to do that? Did he have to involve us in any of this? No. So why did he? Because he's cool like that. Because he didn't want to just save us and call that good enough. He wanted to involve us in his mission, his plan, what he's doing on this earth. He wanted us to join an elite force of spiritual superheroes who through his power, not our power, can do things and affect people that we could never do on our own, but we can only do through his power. He wanted us to be a part of that. It's a special gifting that he gives us. This isn't science fiction. This is real. This is what God gives us, what he does for us. I know some people who before they trusted in Jesus could not have gotten up in front of a crowd without wetting their pants. But after they trusted in Jesus, suddenly they could speak to thousands of people. I know people who, before they trusted in Jesus Christ, they were a terrible student. I'm talking straight D's kind of terrible student, okay? Apologies if that's one of you here, but you really need to get your grades up. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, this guy trusts in Jesus, and now he's got a photographic memory. Unfortunately, it's only of the Bible, but he has a photographic memory of the Bible. He can remember chapter. I could quiz him on all sorts of things, and he could tell me exactly where that verse is, what that is. He'd only been saved a few months. It's amazing. He's just absorbing God's Word. It is a shame that it didn't work with his science textbooks, but, you know, it was still pretty cool. It's not always that dramatic, but that's the kind of thing we're talking about here. We're talking about a transformation that happens when a person trusts in Jesus Christ and God changes their life from the inside out and he gives them some special abilities. He transforms them. It's, it's like when Steve Rogers becomes Captain America. It's, it's like when Bruce Banner becomes the Incredible Hulk. It's like when Peter Parker gets bit by the spider, right? There's this transformation that happens. 
And when we trust in Jesus, there's a transformation that happens from evil to righteousness. There's a transformation that happens from darkness to light. From spiritually destitute to spiritually gifted. Not just spiritually right with God, but actually spiritually gifted. We don't often live that way. But that's exactly what we're talking about here. A lot of Christians are running around self-centered and depressed and purposeless because they have not recognized the fact that God has already given them new purpose in their life and gifted them with special abilities to allow them to pursue that purpose. That's what Jesus has done for us. Ephesians 2 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. So God has given us purpose. He's given us a mission that's a part of His mission. He's planned good works for us to do. He's given us special abilities to help us to do all of that. He is an awesome, awesome God. He's done all of that for us, but it gets even better. You see, if He wanted to, He could have just given us all the same gifting, but that would have been boring. So He gave us all different gifts, all kinds of different gifts. Paul says back in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 5, There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Different kinds of service. He's talking about different kinds of gifting that God gives us. And here's the thing. Have you ever wished that you were someone else? Have you ever wished that you could just have the gifting of that person? that you could just serve like that guy over there, that you just had the gifting of that girl? Have you ever wished that you were someone different than you were? And yet what the Bible says is that God has created us anew. He's given us different gifts. He's made us different on purpose. The differences are by design. He didn't want us all the same. And that's our first principle for this morning. Principle number one, we're different by design. God made us different for a reason. He gave us different gifts. And it's the same Lord who gives those different gifts out to each of us. So when the devil tries to tell you that you're different and you're weird and you don't fit in, you can just say right back to him, yeah, I know, and that's the way God made me, so deal with it. God made us different. He wanted us different. We are different by design. And God gave us these different gifts. Now, why did he make them different? Why do we all get different gifts that God gives us? Well, Paul's going to tell us in verse 7. Look at verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can what? So we can what? You got it. Help each other. That was an easy one. It's right on the screen. He gave us different spiritual gifts so that we can help each other. We're not different so we can be isolated. Let that sink in. We are not different. God did not make us different so that we can be apart from everybody else. Because oftentimes that's what our differences make us do. They make us sort of retreat. We're not different so we can be isolated. We're different so we can be together. We are different so that we can be together. We're different so that we can help each other. That's principle number two. We're different so that we can help each other. Our different gifts are meant to form us into a team 
into a community where we work together, we serve together, bringing our different gifts and abilities into that team together. We are different so that we can help each other. And then here are the different gifts that God gives. Look at verse 8. The gifts that God gives. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. That's wisdom. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. And this list is not exhaustive. You go over to Romans chapter 12 and you'll see another list of gifts. You go to Ephesians 4, you'll see some more gifts that Jesus gives to the church. Leadership and service and giving and exhortation and mercy and teaching. And there are all these different gifts that God gives to people. To one of you, He gives the gift of leadership. To one of you, He gives the gift of faith. To one of you, He gives the gift of increased knowledge or wisdom. To one of you, He gives the gift of giving or mercy or service. All these different gifts. And all of this is by God's design. Different gifts that he gives us. And Paul says in verse 11, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. It's very tempting for us to wish that we had the gifting of another person, isn't it? To see what someone else does, maybe on this stage. I wish I could do that like that person. I wish I could lead like that person. I wish I could speak like that person. It's very tempting for us to wish that we had these other gifts when the reality is that God himself, and Paul is very clear on this, it is the Holy Spirit of God who determines which person gets which gift. Each one of us gifted differently. Not so that we can all be the same, not so that we can be isolated, but so that we can be a well-rounded team. So that when we come together, we can be more than what we are separately. God wanted his followers to be specialists. To have special superpowers in different ways. So that when we come together, it it helps us to be more, to do more, to accomplish more than we could if we all had the same gifting. You have a very unique and very special role to play in the body of Christ. See, normally at this point, what I would want to do is bring out some kind of an analogy or something to help us understand all of this. And like bring out an egg or some kind of goofy thing or toy or something and use it as an illustration to show, see, when I take all these different parts, I put them together, maybe bake a cake, you know, the flour and the milk and all that stuff, sugar. But I don't have to because Paul has already given us this incredible analogy that ties all of this together perfectly. He says in the next verse, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Read through this with me here. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. Some of us are slaves, and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. In other words, all of these make up the one body, all kinds of different types of people. And he's using this to make a point. The same thing is true of our gifting. The same thing is true of how God created us and gave us purpose and special abilities to serve him. They're different by design. Yes, the body, he says, has many different parts, 
not just one part. And then he's going to play with us a little bit to get us to understand how ridiculous it would be if it was one part. He says, if the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Sounds obvious, but the point he's making is probably rather profound. Because there were probably a lot of people in this church in Corinth who were running around thinking, I just wish I were like that person. I just wish I were like that person. And he's saying, listen, if all of you were like that person, there's a whole lot of stuff that God wants you to be doing, that he's gifted you specially to do, that he's prepared beforehand for you to do, that you couldn't be doing if everyone was like that person. So if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But your bodies, he says, have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Just rest in that for a minute. God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Many parts, one body. Can you imagine what it would be like for many of the parts in your body to not work properly? Some of you don't have to imagine. Some of you have different parts or many parts that don't work properly. And so you have to compensate for that. The other parts have to do extra work to compensate for the parts that aren't doing as much work just to try to get by. And you can can live that way and you can get by that way, but it's still never quite the same as if your whole body were working the way God originally designed. And Paul is saying it's the exact same way in the church. In Ephesians 4, he says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Another way to translate this phrase here, each part does its own special work, is when each part is working properly. When each part of the body of Christ is working properly. It builds up the whole body of Christ. That's the type of church Jesus set in motion. That's the type of church God wanted. That's the type of church God has gifted us for. Not a church where followers of God come and attend, but a church that is made up of followers of God who use their gifts and abilities to serve others. And all of that glorifies God. It's what He's made us to do. And God has gifted each person to fulfill that role. Each person working and serving in the body of Christ somewhere to build up the whole body, healthy and growing and full of love. You weren't gifted so you could be gifted. You were gifted so that you could help and serve others in the body of Christ. So principle number three is this. We're different so we can be whole. We're different so we can be whole. It's our differences that make us complete. If we were all the same, we wouldn't have that. Different parts that God specifically designed. That's why Paul says, if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? 
Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? How strange a body would be if it only had one part. I mean, can you imagine if your whole body, think with me for a minute, if your whole body was just one big ear, can you picture that? Or if your whole body was just one big eye and that was it, can you, can you picture that? I'm curious, how many of you here have seen the movie Monsters, Inc.? Seen the movie Monsters, Inc.? Okay, good, good. Do you like that movie? I love that movie. You like Monsters, Inc.? I love that movie. It's great. Do you, do you know who this guy is? Mike Wazowski. You got it. This is Mike Wazowski, and he's already got a pretty big eye. But can you imagine what that movie would have been like if Mike Wazowski were just an eye? No arms, no legs, no mouth, just one big eye rolling around for the whole movie, not saying anything. Would have been a pretty boring movie, right? Not much to see there. And that's Paul's point. Every single part of the body is important. Not just in our human bodies, but in the body of Christ, in the, in the church. Every single part of the body of Christ is important. And when parts of the body are not involved in serving the way God has gifted them to serve... What happens is it's like that part of the body is paralyzed. It's like that part of the body isn't contributing to anything. And so now the other parts of the body have to work overtime to compensate for that. When some parts of the body aren't involved in service, aren't doing anything, I don't just mean inside the walls of the church. I just mean the body of Christ serving in different capacities. God has gifted us in different ways. He's given us things that we can do, special abilities to accomplish what he has set before us. And when parts don't function the way they're supposed to function, what happens is it's like the body of Christ is partially paralyzed. Now we have all sorts of different great sounding reasons for why we don't serve. Things like, well, I I, I can't serve like that person does, so I guess I'm just not going to serve anywhere. I guess I'm just not gifted like they are. Or I tried serving in the past, but it didn't work out real well, and so I just kind of gave up. It looks like they have plenty of people serving. They don't need me, so I'm just not going to serve. Or maybe no one has asked me to serve yet, so I'm just going to wait until someone approaches me and presents me with an opportunity that happens to line up with my gifting, and then I'll, I'll get involved and I'll, I'll serve. All of these are excuses to keep the body of Christ from functioning the way that God wants us to function. And I'll be honest, at times I marvel at the fact that God chooses to use us at all. I mean, think about it. This is God we're talking about, the God of the universe who created the planets and this earth and the oceans and land and animals and people and and all of this stuff. And that God says, I want to use you people to accomplish my mission on this earth? Really? God, wouldn't it have been better to use angels? They're way more reliable and probably a lot better looking. Who would use broken, messy, smelly, washed up humans to accomplish their mission on this planet? And yet that's exactly what God does. Why would a perfect God want to do that? To some extent, I don't think I'll ever fully grasp that and understand why. But here is a story that I I think maybe helps us catch a glimpse of why God does what he does. 
Once upon a time, there was a famous builder and painter. He designed his own houses. He, he built them, oversaw all of that himself. And then when it came time to paint them, he did all of the painting himself. He was incredible. He didn't need drop cloths. He didn't need painter's tape. He could cut in with a brush and his lines were so clean and there were no drips, just a straight line all the way down. He was a master builder and painter. And he made houses all over the country for very wealthy people, incredibly designed. And then he painted them himself. And he took great joy in seeing the joy that other people got from his houses. Well, one day he decided that he was going to build himself a house. He built himself a new house in the same city where he had lived for his whole life. And then it was time to paint it. So he gathered up his paint. He had a truck full of different cans of paint from all the the work that he had been doing, lots of different brushes and everything. And he started to get things ready to paint his house. And as he was getting all of the paint ready, he happened to notice over on the sidewalk a bunch of kids playing. And he had a crazy idea. So he called over to the kids and he said, Hey kids, why don't you come help me paint my house. And they looked at him like, are you kidding me? They knew who this guy was. He was kind of a local celebrity around there. Everyone knew this was the master builder and painter. He took great pride in doing all of the painting himself because he was so good. He was perfect. And yet here he is asking these kids to come paint his house. Surely he must be joking, right? And the kids say, are you serious? he said, yeah, come on over. So they walked over and he opened up the back of his truck and he pulled out all these different cans of paint. He had reds and yellows and oranges and blues and purples and all these different colors. And he handed each kid a different brush and a can of paint. And he said, get to work. So the kids still in disbelief figured we better go ahead and start doing this thing before he comes to his senses. So they started grabbing the paint and they go over and they started getting paint on the house. Well, they started by splashing paint all over the garage door. And then they got paint on the walkway and they got some paint on themselves. But eventually most of the paint got onto the house. And after about an hour, they had painted all the way around this house, to be honest, mostly from about four foot down. (laughs) Different colors splattered everywhere. And that's when the neighbors started to come over. And they wanted to know, what were you thinking One of them said, you know you could have done a much better job yourself. Another lady said, it looks like a tornado ripped through a Sherwin-Williams. This is crazy. You could have done this much better yourself. And the man looked at them and said, yeah, I, I could have done it all myself. That's true. But I have always gotten the most joy out of watching other people get joy from my work. And based on that measure, this is the most beautiful house I have ever made. These kids are going to come by here after school. They're going to bring their friends. They're going to show them that house. And they're going to say, this is the house where the master builder and painter lives. But it's kind of our house too. We did that. See, God is the master builder and painter. He created this earth He created everything we see. He created you and me. And he gives each one of us special gifts, special abilities, like he's handing us a can of paint and a brush. 
And he says, get to work. Go do something with us. Let's make something beautiful together. This is a painting that my daughter made this week. Now, it may not look like much to you, but to me, this is absolutely beautiful. And let's be honest, it's on par with most of what you find in art museums today. It's, <laughs> it's up there. When you look at this, you may see just some paint that a little kid splashed around a page. And that's not wrong. But when I look at this, I see her development over the last few months. Right? I see the fun that she had as she took brushes around this, this piece of paper. I see the incredible growth in her and in her eyes lighting up as she gets to have fun to do all of this. I sense the excitement that she has when she holds up the finished work and thinks, I did this. And how proud and happy she is to be a part of that. Now let's be honest. Her teachers did most of the work here. Her teachers provided the crafts and the supplies. They got the paint. They taught her how to use them. They supervised the whole thing. The teachers did most of the work. But even through all of that, she played a part and she grew as a person. And you know, maybe one day she will use art like this to help someone else. Maybe she'll use it to inspire people. Maybe she'll use it for therapy. Maybe one day she'll teach little girls and boys how to do art and she'll start with something that looks very much just like this. Now, if that's how I see the painting of my little girl, can you imagine how God sees the service that you do for Him? It doesn't matter if it's perfect, even if it's messy, even if it's a little odd, even if it's not refined yet. All of the stuff you do for Him, He sees as a, as a proud father saying, I want them to be a part of what I'm doing. And I'm glad that they're engaged in this with me, even if it doesn't look perfect yet. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. In other words, with great power comes great responsibility. If you've been saved by Jesus, you have been given special gifting. You are expected by God to use that gifting to serve other people. Supernatural spiritual gifts of exhortation and teaching and leadership and mercy and giving and service and all these different things that God gives us and more maybe that aren't even listed in the Bible. We don't know if that's the whole list. And knowing what your spiritual gift is is not a prerequisite for serving. Sometimes you just have to get in there and try stuff and see what works and find out, nope, that wasn't a good fit for me. So you try something else and eventually you will find where God designed you to serve. And it may even change over different seasons of life. It probably will. So, why serve? For those of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ, it's what God recreated us to do. It's what He has made us to do. He's made us new. He's given us purpose. He gave us gifts and He expects us to use them, not for our benefit, but for others. So in a moment... We're going to give you an opportunity to share with us where you think God may have designed you to serve. We're going to do that through a survey that we're going to ask you to take. But before we do that, would you just bow your heads with me for a moment? Just bow your heads, close your eyes. 
reflect between you and God. Maybe you've been a spectator for a while, and you need to get in the game. Maybe the Holy Spirit is convicting you about the need for you to get involved in serving Him. It might be in this local church. It might be in some other capacity that He has designed you to do. There's a reason this message is the end of this series. Because everything we've been talking about, why love, why obey, why church, why Jesus, it all kind of comes down to this point. Will our faith be demonstrated as real based on our actions? our response to God and what he's done for us. So ask God now, is there somewhere, God, that you have gifted me to serve that I am not functioning well, that I'm not doing what you have made me to do? Lord, you have given us amazing gifts. You have blessed us in so many ways, and often I think we we don't take advantage of how you have gifted us. Maybe we don't even understand where that is yet. So Lord, I pray that you would give us the boldness and the courage to step out and to get involved and to serve you in this church, outside these walls, just to be a part of the body of Christ and serving, actively utilizing the superpowers that you have given us and learning more about them each and every day. Lord, help us and guide us in that effort. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Look up here for a minute because we're going to do something really different right now. We are going to take a survey in the middle of the morning service. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you have a mobile device, you can go to this website, efree.org survey, and you can take this right now. I would encourage you to turn off Wi-Fi and use your mobile data so that hundreds of you don't bring down our internet at once. Just a suggestion. We're going to ask everyone who attends here regularly to complete this survey. And this is not obligating for you for something. This isn't signing you up for something. This is so that we can get a better picture of where has God gifted our church and those different gifts. So we would love for you to fill this out. Even if you're watching online, you can go to efree.org survey if you're a regular attender here and fill out this survey. If you need a paper copy, would you raise your hand and our ushers will bring you a paper copy. So if you don't have a cell phone or tablet or something with you, raise your hand right now. Our ushers have paper copies ready to bring to you, and you can fill this out. We're going to try to do this at the same time as we worship God with our giving. So after the ushers hand out these paper copies, our worship team is going to play in the background. They'll let you know when it's time to wrap up, and we're going to sing a song together at the end here. But what I'd like for you to do is go ahead and either on your mobile device at efree.org slash survey, or with this paper copy, fill out this survey, and in a few minutes, we'll be done, we'll come back, we'll sing together. After you fill out your paper survey, by the way, you can drop it off at the door at the end of the service when we all leave. Let's go ahead and fill those out together. One final challenge for you as we close today. You know, we just had you fill out a survey to tell us where you thought you might be gifted in serving and where God would want you to serve. Um, But I don't want you to think that just because you filled out that survey, now you can just sit back and wait for the call to get involved somewhere. Our leaders, our staff, they're they're very busy people involved in leading ministries and the logistics of all of that and caring for people. And and so they may not get back to you right away on some of that stuff. We are going to look through these things. But I don't want you to now just sit back if the Holy Spirit's been prompting you to get involved and think, well, I filled it out, so now I can just wait and they'll contact me when they have a need. No, it's your obligation to get involved in serving where God has gifted you. 
And one way to do that is just to go to our website, go to the staff page, look up whoever oversees the area you might want to serve in and contact them and just say, hey, I want to get involved here. And maybe you need to shadow someone for a couple of weeks to see if something's a good fit for you. Or maybe you need to just get involved as a trial basis for a couple of months and see, is this going to work for me? Maybe you try something, you find out it doesn't work, and so you got to try something else. But eventually you will find where God has designed you to serve, and it's going to be amazing. What would it look like at First Free Church if it was unusual to not be involved in serving here? What would it look like if someone were to trust Christ and they join our church and they start to get integrated and then all of a sudden they realize, man, it's just the norm for people to get involved in service here. That's just part of our culture. It's what we do. That would be the body of Christ functioning the way God intended it to, each part working properly so that the whole body builds itself up healthy and growing in love. Would you stand with me as we close? I'm going to pray for you. Let's pray as we close our service today. Lord, I thank you for these people. I thank you for this church. I thank you for everyone, not only in this room, but watching online. All of those who are thinking now about how am I going to use the gifting that God has given me. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd give them special insight and wisdom this week to detect opportunities to serve you and to have the boldness and courage to step out, even though sometimes it's a little scary, and to get involved in serving you, maybe inside this church, maybe outside these walls. And so I pray, Lord, that you would bless these people as they do that, that you would help them to find purpose in their life in serving you. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Hope you have a great week. Happy 4th of July.